Well, welcome to our brand new podcast, Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey Rice, and joining me is lead pastor of Hill City Church, Shannick Bannett, also known as Shancock Banty. Yeah, let's not reveal that just quite yet. You That'll guys, be a later episode. Another episode, another time. You'll learn about identity, that, but... Hey, we've been talking. A lot of people have been asking, hey, podcast, you guys should do a podcast. So, why are we officially doing a podcast? Yeah, so two main reasons. Number one, we just want to release content. We want this to be a resource to you to help, uh, to help navigate life in the kingdom and to really uh, help with understanding identity and just all aspects of life. And so, one, content. The second reason is just we want to connect. We want you guys to be able to hear from the two of us. Yes, we're pastors, but also we're regular dudes just trying to figure out life just like you are. And Mm -hmm. so hopefully as we talk and discuss different aspects of our life, things that maybe God is teaching us or uh, just everyday like encounters that we have as we talk about that, we really hope that you connect with our story and it just helps you in, in, in your journey. And so, yeah, so content and connection. Yeah. And so what, what can people expect from this podcast moving forward? What are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were thinking about developing this podcast, the first thought that I came up with was this idea of beyond Sundays. People mm-hmm. hear from us on Sunday morning but there's got to be more. There's things that we want to say on Sunday mornings that we never really get to, mm-hmm. whether it's we didn't have the time to or we just didn't feel like it was right to like say from the platform, yeah. uh, you know, during a service. So this this space is reserved for those things, those conversations that mm-hmm. maybe there's some things we're thinking we want to go into that may bring may bring a little bit of new perspective for you mm-hmm. because it brought new perspective from us and we just want to have an outlet to be able to talk about it. So yes, this podcast is going to be things on um, spiritual matters, you know, how, how to live life in the kingdom, how to follow Jesus uh, in the world we live in today, all of that. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're also uh, dads, we're husbands, so we're going to talk about everyday life. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about money. We're going to talk about sex. We might even talk about bourbon. We're going to talk about sports. I don't know, really anything and everything. And we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it and really relay it to everyday life, but also life in the kingdom. Yeah. So we're going to hit on controversial topics, non-controversial topics, topics that are going on in our country, like social justice issues, um, current events, quotations of, hey, we we get this all the time. What do you think about this idea? Or or so-and-so said this. What's your perspective? And so, yeah, it's just going to be a safe place for you to process things, a safe place for you to grow, learn, a safe place for you to doubt because ultimately, I personally believe that doubt is one of the greatest resources to figuring out what exactly you believe if you really dive into why you have those doubts and what those doubts are revealing to you about maybe what you believe yeah. specifically around faith. It can be faith. a great motivator. Yeah. Doubt can be a great motivator. So I think for the intro episode is a lot of people in our church kind of know who we are. Uh, maybe you're new and you don't know who we are, but I thought this was a great space for us to kind of go into a greater detail who we are. So, Shanik, who is Shanik Bannett? Yeah, that is a crazy question, and there's a lot to that question. But it's not ultimately, <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Like when someone thinks about, okay, who are they? Yeah. Like, there's a lot to that. But very simply, and I tell this to everybody. 
my story is simple, but it's also unique. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I feel like it's unique in that right now I'm 41 years old and I am a part of the same church that that I've been in my entire life. And so... Um, you were born in the church. Didn't your mom give birth inside the church doors? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, actually, my brother and sister were born in the house next door to <laughs> that, our church building. It counts. That, that really happened. But no, um, ultimately, like my my mom was pregnant whenever they were building the building here. Yeah. Uh, my mom, dad, the founding families of this church. And so it's just a place that I've been a part of my entire life. And, you know, we were here. And I was here growing up all the time, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights here, like Monday night praise practice, Tuesday night to help, you know, do whatever I need to do around the church to help clean or help my dad in any way possible. Um, we were brought here as kids, as my dad studying for messages and things, we would just play, play around the church building inside, outside. Friday nights, we had our youth gatherings and man, I just lived here. And so I've always had though a love for the local church, this church specifically. And um, man, even at an early age, just got several prophetic words that I was going to be in ministry and started about eight, nine, 10 years old. Had a lady say, ministry, 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 just when she was talking to me, like she saw it all over me. Had another lady say, um, man, I see you like taking over and following in your dad's footsteps who my dad is and was the pastor of this place for, man, 32 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Had another person say, I feel like I see that you're like Joshua and your dad was Moses. Like you're going to take the church further than, you know, your dad has taken it and it's going to be amazing. It's almost like, you know, you're taking it into the promised land, like whatever that meant. (laughs) And so looking back, like I look at those times and and I'm really like – I don't know, a little sentimental when I think about it, like those were some cool opportunities that I got to be a part of with people speaking prophetically into my life. And a lot of those things did happen exactly like they said it would happen. But just in the last couple of months, I've really been thinking through it. And it also like put a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. Like, man, who am I? I'm just a kid. Like, I'm just, you know, concerned like when I'm going to get my next meal. Like I'm not. <laughs> Which was I'm, a big deal in your world growing up. Oh, absolutely. Up. Chubby man. Bannett, right? Oh, I was so chubby. <laughs> yeah. So and I, yeah, it's all good. But but looking back, it was a lot of pressure. Like who was I? Like I'm supposed to take yeah. the church to the next level. Like, man, Jesus is the savior. I'm, I'm a nobody. Mm-hmm. And so just really stepping into that was something I didn't know if I wanted or not. So like fast forward, um, gave my life to Jesus at a young age, all that, got baptized, even multiple times, honestly. Um, I guess I didn't think it took the first time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You told me that before and it still made me laugh. Why I don't know times? why. Like, I guess I felt like, you know, uh, some of the messages that, that were preached here, it made me question, okay, did God really still love me? Do I got to do something so to earn his base. favor back? Fear base. I mean, a little bit. I don't want to sit here and bash on you yeah. know the leadership and my dad and some of the but stuff it, like that, but it's just where they were at. It's where yeah. we were at figuring things out. And um, you know, I guess we really hadn't come into quite a full revelation of grace, new covenant, kingdom. Yeah. And so, you know, am, am I upset about all of that? No. Right. It's part of my upbringing. It made me who I am today and it made me appreciate what we have now. Uh, but it is where we were at. And mm-hmm. so um, so for me, just, yeah, thinking that, man, it's good maybe I got to, 
you know, do something to gain God's approval again. Maybe I should, you know, maybe it didn't stick the first time whenever I got baptized or maybe, you know, I really didn't know what it meant, but now I do know what it means. So multiple times that happened, but, um, all in all, I loved, loved growing up here, loved growing up in the church. And then in 2012, I actually took over for my dad, became the lead pastor. Go back a little bit. You went to college not for ministry because you right. were doing your own thing, right? Yep. I actually uh, went to college because, oh, yeah, my late teenage years, I didn't know if I wanted to be in ministry or not. So I sought to do my own thing. And I wanted to be a basketball coach. So I went to college to be a teacher so that I could be a high school basketball coach. Um, and then the semester right before my student teaching, um, reached out to my dad just felt like this tug that like, man, I'm not helping enough. I'm not involved enough in the local church. And so I just told my dad, like, man, I want to be committed. Like whatever you need, I want to be the guy for you. I want to help in any capacity. And he said, man, it's crazy. You're calling me right now in this moment because the youth pastor at the time had just um, taken a job back in his home city of Los Angeles and he was getting ready to move. And he said, man, the elders and I talked and we would love for you to come on board and like learn under our current pastor before he leaves and then take over our student ministry. And so, um, so man, that's kind of like yeah. how I got started. So how started. long were you the youth pastor before I was over? youth pastor here for around eight years. So yeah. I was around 23, uh, 24 years old, somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, pastor for uh, eight years before I took over lead pastor in 2012, and that's been about eight, eight and a half years now. So 16 and a half years uh, been on staff here at Hill City, and uh, yeah. And leading a church is hard. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And we will get to that. There's I don't so many stories. I, like, yeah, I'm, I'm being very cautious what I say right now, because I know in a lot of upcoming episodes, we might want to unpack some stuff. But yeah, man, it's just one of those things, like I when I stepped into it, you know, at like 23, 24 years old and student pastor, I thought, okay, I can do this. I was excited enough. I had enough passion for it, but I just didn't necessarily have the skill set. But experience, you know, uh, was the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for, for me as lead pastor. Like I stepped into it, though, maybe thinking, though, I had it figured out because I went to seminary, got my master's. Um, and stepped into lead pastor, and I was thinking, all right, I got this. I can do this. I have well, the knowledge. Well, hold on a second. We need to be honest, because when I moved here, you hadn't yet officially completed your master's, and you were still the lead pastor. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I was going to I was going to school, you getting were, my master's. Yeah, I, I give him a hard time about that. No, it's all good. It took me a while. Yeah, Corey, Corey had to really get on me for several years to finish. But hey, I did finish. You did. Right? But no, for real, like I, I realized very quickly taking over and leading this church that I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing. Like, <laughs> what, what are all these decisions like now that are just on me? People have no like, idea. People are looking to me for just answers that I didn't necessarily didn't have. Yeah. And so, man, yeah, experience, you know, in my eight years has been the best teacher and I'm still learning. Yeah. Still wanting to learn, still wanting to grow. So. Yeah. That's it, man. But what? enough about me. Like, let's hear your story yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so my story is similar, but so different. Like, I grew up in a super wealthy home where my dad was a, an extremely successful businessman. And in grade eight, he felt the call into full-time ministry and so moved our family from the nice suburbs of Detroit, Michigan to the nice suburbs of Chicago. And 
Christmases were not as great growing up after that. Ministry salary, bro. Ministry salary. (laughs) I I say that as a joke. But the reality is, is from grade eight, you know, and at high school, um, my dad back in Michigan before he left full-time ministry, he helped plant a church in 1997 with one of his best friends, but never was on staff. So I I grew up in that church of 60 families, you know, go out, you know, we believe in God for great things. And then four years later, my dad moves our family to Chicago to take a full-time ministry job. And this ministry was massive at the time, one of the biggest in the country at, at that time in the early 2000s. And my dad's this guy's right-hand business pastor, uh, thousands of people, mega church style. So this was the ministry that I grew up in really like in high school when I started paying attention to stuff. You see the good, the bad, the ugly of it all, especially as a pastor's kid. Um, some of the ugly was my own stupidity and life choices. I know us pastor kids get a bad rap sometimes, but it's just, that's also my story. Went to Liberty University, not because I cared about Jesus at all, uh, and not because I wanted to go into ministry at all, but because of one purpose. They were the only school that recruited me to play hockey. And so I remember telling my dad when my sophomore year, you know, I told my dad going to to school that I wanted to do nothing with ministry just because of what I saw. I was like, man, you hear from an incredible teacher, and he really was an incredible teacher week in, week out, but what I saw behind the scenes didn't line up, and it frustrated me so much and personally hurt me so much from my own, you know, experiences. Not not a personal hurt, but what I saw, like I internalized it, which isn't necessarily always a, a good thing. Um, I, I think some of my unfair judgments are now that I'm in a ministry leadership position, um, I want to be careful not to have judgments of seats I've never sat in. So that's been a, a real struggle for me and, and also a big challenge to give grace. But I wanted nothing to do with ministry because I saw it all. And then my sophomore year in college, listened, went to a church service, which was rare, and listened to a sermon by this guy named Clayton King. was like, man, I... I think I, I need to be doing student ministry. So I yep. called up my dad. My dad at this time had moved, had left that church and moved back to Michigan to be the business pastor at the church he helped plant in 1997 with one of his best friends, which he's still there to this day. And also another mega church in Michigan. And I interned under Jack Janigian, the greatest youth pastor that has ever lived. Yeah, shout out to He's Jack. still alive. Shout out to Jack. He's not listening, but... <laughs> It's seriously the greatest youth pastor ever. It's four straight summers I interned with that dude and just fell in love with student ministry. Knew that's what I wanted to do. So continued my education at Liberty, went to grad school, did all that, and um, moved to Charlotte. First gig out of out of university, uh, another huge megachurch. Again, my whole culture and upbringing in church is megachurch culture. So Again, you see the things that are amazing. You get to listen to amazing communicators, but you also see the ugly side of church ministry and even on like a magnified level because there's so many people on staff. There's so many different frustrations. And man, it it was a frustrating season for me. There's a lot of good things I learned. There's a lot more that I learned what not to do. And I remember I gave my two weeks at at that church, was just done with with ministry and life, was going to move back home and figure it out. And the day I turned in my two weeks, I get a call from the worship leader here at this church, Reggie Beasley. He's like, dude, you should come be a youth pastor. I know I know you're loving where you're at. And I was like, I'm not loving where I'm at. I just turned in my two weeks. So literally drove here right. 
in a Sebring convertible. I remember it. Maroon Sebring convertible with Sebring. nothing. With nothing. I had nothing. I <laughs> no had clothes. <laughs> I had clothes. So the backstory of that is I thought I was going to Russia to play professional hockey and that door got shut. A visa didn't come back. And that was like a four month period that I was committed, signed contract and had to sell all of my possessions. So when that fell through, I literally had only clothes. So I drove with my Sebring convertible up here with just clothes and lived in your basement for a year. Right. Fell in love with church ministry. I mean, yeah, at the time it was Cornerstone, but it, a super small church compared to where I had been. And man, I think what I fell in love with so much was not just the people who really care about you like family, but yeah, financial integrity was huge for me. And uh, when I first got here, this church was paying the salary of three other pastors that were local in this area. And so you grow up in church culture, there's a competitive edge that's unfortunate, but that happens even though we all wear the same jersey. And the fact that we were providing funds, paychecks yeah. for lead pastor, that it just blew my mind. And being here now eight years where most youth pastors are gone 18 months to three years and they're climbing the ladder of whatever they believe is ministry success. I want to be the right. type of person that burns that ladder because I only believe that you truly grow when you're planted even through hard stuff. And so we've had a lot of hard stuff here too, but um, the people that we, the, the relationships that I've developed right. over the- It's not just what you do, it's who you do it with. Who you and do it so, with, man. man. It really matters. I don't believe that burnout is because of what you do. I think burnout happens because of who you do it with. Yeah. And so yeah. you guys have been like extremely supportive and really like, okay, I grew up in the church. I gave my life when I was to Jesus when I was six. I got baptized by my dad at 13. But- it wasn't until I moved here that I found Jesus. I was 25 years old, first year youth pastor here, the sonship message, the kingdom message, things that I always believed it did, but didn't have verbiage to. I mean, I questioned a lot in seminary. I questioned a lot in different church cultures. Like, why do we do this? And man, the theological questions that I never had answers for. Oh, you shouldn't be asking those questions. You're just doubting. And it, it wasn't from a place of, I'm just questioning just to be a jerk. I had sincere questions and it was here that I found a lot of those answers and it was Jesus that I really met, not not just duties, not just things that I feel like I have to do to try and earn righteousness. Right. And so, man, my story is this place saved my life. I, I always joke around behind the scenes. I've never said this publicly before, but I'd, I'd probably be an atheist if it wasn't for this place just because of my experiences and how somebody was able to show me what Jesus really looked like and what the God of the Bible is all about. And again, we'll talk about that in future episodes. But Right. And that's a huge statement, what you just said. Like, yeah. this place, like, saved your life. Like, that is crazy to think about. And I know for me, like, I'll just say the same is true for me. Like, this place has been my life. But more than that, the people that call even this place home, Hill City Church, like, they have transformed my life because I really do like see Jesus through the people in this place, mm -hmm. like so clearly, like it has changed and transformed my life as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, man, I know exactly what you mean when you say that. Yeah. Well, we had an elders meeting a couple uh, last year, right before the pandemic and a brand new elder on the team. We were asking what, when you think about Hill City, what do you think about? And he said a statement that I've written down. He said that Hill City Church 
is a place where you get freedom from religious burden and freedom for spiritual joy. Freedom from religious burdens and freedom for For spiritual spiritual joy. joy. And I'm like, that is my story from this place. And so ultimately, that is what we want to kind of talk about is, is do you have a religious burden and is it preventing you from having spiritual joy? So, yeah, I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Glad to go on this journey with you guys. And, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. So let's close off the podcast the way we close off our Sunday morning services. All right, guys, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.